Thank you for listening to this podcast from Bethel Family Worship Center. I want to speak today on several things that God spoke to my heart on the thought of awe and wonder. And I was simply blessed when I saw all the praise team wearing their sweatshirts and their hoodies today. I didn't know they was going to do that, but boy, they showed out, didn't they? They really made me want to run to the bookstore and buy me one. So get yours before they're all gone. But I tell you what, it is, it is a year ahead of us that God has prepared and paved a way for us. And I want your undivided attention this morning, if you will limit your uh, internet use on Instagram and Facebook. I know you're, some of you uh, are covering that you're taking notes, and I hope that you really are. But if you're not, pay attention and, and let's grow together. I'm reading out of Acts chapter 2 this morning, verse 43 through 47. And this was on my heart as I was driving in after I was drinking my coffee. I swung through Starbucks this morning, got me a coffee. I don't know if I was the first one in line or not. But I know that nobody paid for my Starbucks. <laughs> I didn't get any of those little cards that say, uh, we're trying to be kind, pass it on. So it was me and only me. But I did get my, my children um, a, a, a coffee and uh, try to get, get them a little something. And I think it's important to be kind. Amen? We can all share and do something kind for one another. The Lord spoke to me <clears throat> on this thought of awe and wonder. Today, we're celebrating and reflecting on the past year, and we are also regarding a bright future. So we're reflecting and we are regarding. Say reflecting and regarding. In August of 2022, the Lord spoke to my heart in prayer about this year's theme. And honestly, this is the first time I have received a corporate word about our theme six months ahead of time. Usually it's around December, I'm hearing God speak, and what is the Spirit saying to the church, and what are we, where are we going, and what do all signs point to? Where are we going as a body? What is the thematic uh, move of God's presence among us? And we know that God moves differently. He doesn't always do the same thing. Amen. He's not a boring God. Come on, somebody. He's not a boring God. But this was the first time that God has spoke to me six months in advance about what our theme would be. We have dived into the theme of focus, and it has become tremendous for us to remain focused with our little magnifying glass zeroing in and in that co in the, where the, the lines meet, there the fire ignites and we have focused on the miracles and we have focused on the moments and the message and the mission and it has been phenomenal for us as a church and everybody say hashtag focus. <laughs> That's kind of been where we've been all year long and now we've got a new hashtag awe and wonder. Somebody say hey. And when God began to speak this word to me, he took me to Acts 2 and showed me this verse, and it jumped up within me, and I knew immediately the voice of the Lord as he began to pound in my heart the theme for 2023. And I shared that with Beverly, and since that time, in August of 2022, everywhere we have gone and turned, all and wonder has popped up. It's kind of like that when you're looking for a vehicle. The vehicle you're shopping for, you start noticing all of them on the road. How many know what I'm talking about? You're like, well, well there is it. there's another one, and there's another one. This is what God began to do, began to show me and reveal to me, and Beverly would send me a text, and I'd send her a text, and we would say, look at God, look at God. And then not only that, prophetic words would begin to come. God would use people to release prophetic words over us and into our spirit, things that we've seen, things that we begin to hear in the spirit of what he would begin to really marinate this in our heart, things that we would just come across in reading and be like, God, there you are again. What God was doing in all of that, he was confirming his word. God will always confirm his word to you. 
If God spoke it, it will come to pass. Now or later, contingent upon your obedience. Just because it hadn't come to pass yet doesn't mean it won't come to pass. God will bring it to pass in his time and season. And so God has a way of confirming what he says to us. See, God may give you a word in your spirit that will probably have three things attached to it. This is not in PowerPoint, but it's worthy of writing down. When God gives you a word, I want you to hear this, you will probably have attached to it time, trials, and tests. Time, trials, and tests will be attached to his word for you. Somebody said, Pastor, I didn't need to hear all that. I just wanted to know that God had a word for me. I don't like the attachments. But the attachments are necessary to get you to your provision. Time, tests, and trials are attached to the word that God has given you. I know many people be like, oh, the Lord gave me a word. I got a word. Uh, uh, somebody poured a whole gallon of oil on my head and gave me a word. If God gives you a word, it will line up with what he's already said in the word. Men can only confirm what he has already spoken. So I'm not running after every prophet and every apostle and every person in town. I recognize the operate, I operate in those gifts myself. But the functioning of that gift is so that people run to me to get that. Everything that God wants me to know, he can speak to me through his word. He will use the prophet, he will use the apostle, the pastor, the evangelist, and the teacher to confirm what he has already spoken. So that word is attached with time, trials, and tests, and he will use fivefold ministry to confirm publicly what he has already spoken to you privately. And when that happens, you just hold that word in your heart. When God speaks a word, you just hold it in your heart. And this is what else you do. You prepare yourself by remaining rooted in your covering, in your spiritual home. When God gives you a word, that's not the time to go Looney Tunes and Hanna-Barbera and Goof Troop and Paw Patrol. When God gives you a word, that's the time to hold that word close. Prepare yourself in the season of time, trial, and test because I promise you the word will come with a time and a trial and a test. And then you remain rooted in your spiritual house and covering so that it can come to a beautiful fruition in your life. And when you're ready through spiritual maturity, preparation, wisdom, and your proven work, he will ready your reveal. Somebody needed to catch that. When you are ready, he will ready your reveal. I heard this in my spirit for someone, and I want to release this today. Stop looking for an exit and look for an entrance. Stop trying to figure your way out of something Stay where you are and let God bring an entrance, not an exit. Woo. Go to Acts chapter 2. Woo, preach in there, pastor. I want to start reading in verse 41. So then, those who had received his word were baptized. And that day, there were added about 3,000 souls they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Verse 41 and verse 42 tells us what the early church were doing after they received what? A word. So you don't get lazy when the word comes. You don't get fat and sassy when the word comes. You don't lay out when the word comes. Well, I got my word. I went every night of the revival till I got my word. You just keep on pressing. You just keep on going. And you keep pressing. And so the Bible said that when they received the word, they were baptized and 3,000 souls were added to the church. And they continually devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. So we understand that the church is led to a steadfast commitment through the power 
of the Spirit to do four things. And I'm going to give you these things. Number one, to follow Christ alone. In other words, they receive the word, his word, they repent, they believe, they're filled, and they follow. This is receiving the word, to follow Jesus alone, not, not any other man-made religion, not any uh, uh, hocus-pocus, not any YouTube uh, goofy stuff, but to, they followed the word of God alone. They received that word, they repented, they believed, and they were filled, and they followed. There was a steadfast commitment by the power of the Holy Ghost to follow. You're going to need a steadfast commitment through the power of the Holy Ghost to follow today. Because if you're not careful, you will be swept away by every wind of doctrine that is floating in the world on today. The second thing that they were steadfast in is faithfully to be taught and to teach others the proper input and content, which is the Word of God alone. It's important for there to be sound teaching. How many times have we said that good teaching will keep you? If you've been taught right, you will act right, we hope. If you've been taught right, you will live right, we hope. If you've been taught right, in other words, when you raise a child in the fear of the Lord and the admonition of God, train a child in the way he should go, Solomon said in Proverbs, and when he is old, he shall not depart from it. In other words, he's saying, it's not saying that a person can't wander off and sow their oats and find themselves in the hog pen, but it's saying that they have had so much in them and so much teaching and training in them that they can't get away from God even if they wanted to. There's always going to be the Spirit of the Lord to remind you of the Word of God, to bring it back to your remembrance. Hey, how many are thankful that God brought the Word back to your remembrance when you were in a fit of rage, when you were living Living a lifestyle that wasn't pleasing. Here come the word that what they taught me in Sunday school, the B-I-B-L-E, I guess that book is good enough for me. Here's the third thing. Continue to fellowship together. We call fellowship koinia, where we share the spiritual gifts, sharing the spirit, sharing at the Lord's table and communion and loving God and loving each other. This is important and vital. When the church has a fellowship opportunity, that's not the time to stay home. That's a essential, not only as a leader, but as a Christian, that you come together for koinia, for fellowship, because it's in that breaking of bread and that exchange that we let our guard down and we're able to have sweet fellowship with one another. Somebody said, well, I don't do well with people. Go to the altar and pray about it. God will help you do well with people. You need people. No man is an island unto himself. And where have we come to this place in the year of 2023 that we've adopted this mindset that I don't have to show up and I don't need one another? You need somebody. You need accountability. You need fellowship. You need people to exchange with you. Number four, they were steadfast in their commitment to engage in the power and the privilege of prayer both individually and corporately. Oh, there's so much power in prayer. Not only when you get shut in with God in your secret place and talk to him, but even when we gather in corporate prayers and service like this or Tuesday night prayer meetings and we pray and we seek the face of God and we go into travail and intercession and ask God to do what only the Spirit of the Lord can do. We engage in that power and that privilege in prayer, both not only together, but also in our prayer prayer closet at home. We are seeking the face of God. You've got to have the power of the Holy Spirit in your life to equip you and to empower you even in your prayer life. Because I'm telling you church, there'll be times you'll sit down to pray or kneel down to pray or go into your prayer closet and here come the spirit of slumber. Here come the spirit of sleep. Here comes the spirit of different thoughts trying to attach yourself. And before you know it you're asleep. Before you know it your knees are hurting. Before you know what you have went off to la la land you have slept and slumbered in that in that cd post what is it a sealy posturepedic bed you have got yourself all cozied up and you have forgotten how to pray but when you sometimes get a hold of god and you begin to really pray and begin to get a hold of heaven heaven will come and empower you and he'll teach you how to pray and he'll show you how to pray can i preach to the church this morning to tell you we must be 
steadfast in our commitment to be a praying church. A church that doesn't pray is a church that has no power. A Christian that does not pray is a Christian that has no power. I don't know about y'all, but I want the power of the Holy Ghost to show up in my life so when I walk into a room, the power of God goes before me. It is said of our forefathers in Pentecostal faith and in the Wesleyan movement that, that when they walked into the room, the power of God went before them and people would fall out and cry out and repent of their sin. I want enough power in my life so the devil thinks twice about tempting me. There he is. Today I want to read Acts 4 and Acts 2, 43, the verse that God woke me up with and shared with me. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by who? The apostles. So there, were, there was an allness at the wonders and signs. Everyone continued to be in awe of what God had done and what God is doing by his spirit, by his word, through the fellowship of the church and through the power of prayer. All in wonder, signs came out of that. <laughs> the apostles performed them. The wonders and the signs took place through the apostles. The wonders and the signs took place through you, Erica. The wonders and the signs took place through you, Shy. The wonders and the sign took place through you, Kelly. The wonders and the signs took place through you, Eddie. It's the word of God that comes into your life and equips you and you begin to go out and do through the power of the Holy Ghost. There are signs and wonders that create an awe that people recognize the power of Almighty God. God, give us a church in 2023 that has the power of the Holy Ghost where you can lay hands on the sick and see them recover, where you can cast out devils. Yes, there are devils in the name of Jesus where you can drink any deadly thing and it will not harm you. Oh, and I even preach in here where you can pick up a deadly serpent and it won't even bite you. I'm not condoning that, but I'm saying... If you come in contact with a devil, if you come in contact with a serpent, God will give you power to cast it down in the mighty name. God give us a church full of the Holy Ghost and full of the power of God that we would continue so steadfastly. There would be an awe in Indianapolis, a wonder in Indianapolis, in your family, in my family like we have never seen before. Give God praise in this house. There's five principles that I want us to follow that I think Bethel Family Worship Center is entitled to. When we are a church of all in wonder, point to yourself and say, I must be a church of all in wonder. Not just talky-talky, but walky-walky. <laughs> Here's number one, a miraculous church. Mm -hmm. The church at Pentecost displayed some tremendous results as believers. They were led by the spirit and the power and the word of God. And as they begin to fellowship together, each one doing their part in the body of Christ, it was a miraculous church because God enabled the apostles to perform many signs, many wonders, and many miracles. Now, let me just say this, that most miracles in the Bible occurred in three different periods of time. First of all, it was during the days of Moses and Joshua. Miracles begin to happen. And then we see another cessation of miracles through the ministry of Elijah and Elisha. After that, we see a reoccurrence and a resurgence of miracles in the Bible during the time of Jesus Christ and his apostles of whom all of us still carry that anointing. But most biblical miracles happen in those three brief times of biblical history. The miracles during those times, hear me, were unheard of at other times in redemptive history. 
But even during these three distinct times, miracles were not just normal. Every occurrence, everyday occurrences that happened to anybody and everybody began to spring up and begin to pop up and miracles became a mainstay. People began to run after the miracle, run after Jesus, the performer of the miracle. Each time the miracle occurred around a specific ministry or a purpose through Moses, through Joshua, through Elijah, through Elisha, around the time of Christ, the apostles, and the New Testament church of which you and I belong to, miracles always came with a purpose. God was trying to perform a sign and a wonder, not just to prove who he is, but to get people to understand the power that he is and that he can give you all this power as well. In John 14 and 11, Jesus said, believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Otherwise, believe because of the works themselves. The miracles of Jesus that he performed proved that he was the Christ, that he was the Messiah the Jews had been looking for, and he came down from God out of heaven according to the word of God. The apostles were given power to do miracles in order to confirm the word of God, to confirm the gospel that they preached. In other words, they went out and preached the word and the signs and wonders followed them. They preached it and then there was a manifestation of the power of God. Wouldn't it be great for you to walk into your marketplace of work and begin to preach the gospel through your testimony, preach the gospel the way you treat people, preach the gospel in the way you smile, preach the gospel in the way that you are courteous and kind and then all of a sudden here come the signs and here come the wonders of your fellow employees who say show me what it is to live for God let me see what you have I see something different about you oh God let it be that every person that attends Bethel Family Worship Center when you go to work this week that signs and wonders will follow you because you open your mouth and declare the gospel In Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 3, it says, How will we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? After it was at the first spoken through the Lord, it was confirmed to us by those who heard. God affirmed the preaching of the word with miracles so that the preaching might be believed. The miracles were to merely confirm the word. Miracles validated that the word was from God. Every believer has experienced at least one miracle, and that is the miracle of regeneration. That is the miracle of the new birth. That ought to make every Baptist shout. That ought to make every Pentecostal shout. Hey, that ought to make anybody and everybody shout. If you've experienced the power of salvation, you are saved on your way to heaven. You ought to slap somebody upside the in their hand and say, here we go. We are regenerated by the word of God. Every believer at one time heard the word of God turn from unbelief to the only Savior who would conquer sin death, hell, and the grave. And that is Jesus Christ. You received the miracle of faith, the Lord Jesus Christ, and he changed your life. Has he changed anybody's life? Every believer has at least experienced one miracle time and again in the lives of other people who they too have become regenerated and become saved in Jesus' name. Every time somebody asks the question, well, how do I get saved? The miracle of a new birth is about to happen yet again. There's somebody ought to praise God for the signs and the wonders that follow them that believe. Every time you preach the word, the miracle shows up to confirm the word. We are a miraculous church. Somebody say a miraculous church. And not only are we a miraculous church, secondly, we are a sharing church. Look at verse 44. And all those who had believed were together and all things in common, had all things in common. And they began selling their property and possessions. Not mine, Jesus. I mean, I just threw it in. They began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone 
might, might have need. The church was not only a miraculous church where signs and wonders and miracles began to happen, but they turned into a sharing church. Bethel is a sharing church. There were many pilgrims in Jerusalem at that time. And in Judaism, it was traditional that you open your home for visitors. Not today. You got to be careful who knocks at your door. That's why you have a ring camera. So you can hit the button and say, yes. And if you don't want to open the door, you don't open the door. I promise you, if you show up at my house and I don't know who you are, you ain't coming in. I'm going to protect mine. Are you here? Mm -hmm. So in that day, in Judaism, when people came to town who were guests and visitors, they would open as custom, they would open their house to let people come in and stay with them. And it's typical to believe and through scripture and through history that it was during that time that converts began to share the gospel with the residents of the Jewish people. They begin to share the gospel. But let me say this, that these verses that we just read really understand this, do not promote communal living. <laughs> We're not going to Waco and living in a communal village. Come on, somebody. That's not what he's talking about. Some of the guests in town may have stayed longer and they anticipated because they wanted to know more about God's word from the apostles and from the fellowship and they wanted to grow in their faith and it was contagious what was happening. And it's certainly possible that some poorer converts had family ties who had been cut off because of their conversion to Christ. I witnessed that firsthand twice in China when I prayed for Chinese students who were enrolled in the Bible school that was also known as the English speaking school, but undercover it was the underground church. And I would pray for people and I prayed for a young lady whose eye had been plucked out by her own family because she became a believer in Jesus Christ. I prayed for another man whose fingers had been cut off on one hand because he named the name of Jesus and forsook what his family had traditionally taught him. So I say to you in the United States of America, in our comfortable coziness, in our come when I want to go to church self, eat where I want, drive my cars and have my dogs and cats and do all, all I want to do. There are people in this world who have had their eyes plucked out and their fingers cut off and have given their life for the gospel. I don't want to hear one more complaint from somebody who's doing nothing. So maybe they needed a place to live because they'd been cut off by their family. It's, in, it's possible to believe that because there were great needs and there were believers coming in at a rapid pace and the need became great to have a drive through food pantry. But the main point is in verse 45, they began selling their possessions and they were sharing with those who had needs. Now, I got to say this. They did not sell everything and divide it equally among themselves. Those who had more than they needed sold what they could to help those who were in need. Christians willingly provide for those who do not have. And I'm not talking about running up on some Christian moochers who always got their hand out, won't help themselves, but act like you owe them something. Nobody want to amen me now. We are not a gang of gospel get-overs. We don't walk around looking pitiful trying to get somebody to give us a hand out. We need a hand up. And if we can't get a hand up, somebody needs to put a hand on our bottom until we get a, a kick up and realize that we need to get after it and can't rely on everybody else to do what we could 
do for ourselves. It's quiet in this Presbyterian church this morning. They they aren't forced to sell everything. They respond because the Holy Spirit tells them to. Not out of compulsion, but out of gratitude. Oh, we got this bus garage. If pastor says one more thing about the bus garage. Oh, listen, you don't give out of compulsion. You give because the Holy Ghost begins to prompt your heart. And you're a sharing church. We are stewards of what God has given us. We know a need when we see it. And then we respond accordingly by the power of the Holy Ghost. There may be somebody in this room today. The Lord has showed you they need a Pentecostal handshake. What that means is you're going to reach into your wallet and get out a couple 20s and put it in their hands secretly as you walk by because you don't want your left hand to know what your right hand's doing. You don't want the saints to say, oh, look at them. There No, you do it privately, but the Holy Ghost put it on your heart. You were moved out of your compassion to respond accordingly, and they had a beautiful relationship of sharing with one another. Paul wrote the continuation of the same in 2 Corinthians 8 to the church in Corinth at this present time, your abundance being a supply for their needs so that their abundance also may become a supply for your need, that there may be equality. As it is written, he who gathereth much did not have too much, and he who gathered little had no lack. But thanks be to God who puts the same earnestness on your behalf. In other words, they had so much in common in the sense that anybody that needed something received something. They were a sharing church. Say, I'm a sharing church. Number three, they were a joyful church. Now, don't call yourself a joyful church and you look like a bump on a log. And smiled in a minute. People don't see you and here comes brother depression. Notice verse 46. Day by day continuing with one mind in the temple. Jesus had said, if you remember, my father's house shall be a house of prayer. So they went to the temple daily to offer their prayers and no doubt shared Christ with everyone they met. They went to worship and thank God for all he had done for them in Christ. They were a people who daily were praising God. They were people who daily were continuing in one mind in the temple joyfully. Breaking bread, look what the Bible said, breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together. Well, that just busted somebody's, but I don't do potlucks, Pastor. Even if we cater it, you wouldn't come. That's self-focused. Ooh, it's quiet in here. Preach, Pastor. They ate meals together, and as they had done with Jesus, they celebrated the Lord's Supper. Communion, that's koinia, together, fellowship. And they did it every day from house to house, experiencing fellowship together. With gladness, look what the Bible says. With gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God. Say it with me. Praising God. Praising God. You ever get around one of them people that is so loud and obnoxious, you're like, I want to be one of those people today. Praising God. (laughs) To be happy in Jesus. They were joyful, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the number day by day those who were being saved. Faithful fellowship breeds contagious joy. Faithful fellowship breeds contagious joy. You can tell if someone has joy. You can tell if someone has been connected in the vine. Come on, the church is a joyful church. It is a joyful fellowship. It can't be anything else but a joyful fellowship. The word gladness in the Greek verb is means to rejoice. When I say that I am glad, it means that I am rejoicing. They were exceeding glad and they were blessed because of their joy. No one was in need. They knew that Jesus had paid their debt for sin and they lived their life in Christ. They were unified in Christ, unified in his spirit and unified in his word. They were all together with one mind and they continued to rejoice in the marvelous deeds that the Lord had done to them and through them. Joy 
joy comes from unity. When we can get together, unity comes when people are praying. Unity comes when people start praising the Lord. And all of a sudden, they're giving God glory to the audience of one. Here come the power of the Holy Ghost. Moving in upon somebody. And they begin to praise the Lord. And then over here, somebody says, hey, I feel that too. And they begin to praise the Lord. And the two of them get together and start praising. Unity starts happening. And all of a sudden, it jumps from one onto another. Oh, would to God that somebody would praise him even when you don't feel like it. That you would praise him even when the, when the chips are down. You would praise him even when you got bad news this week. You would still praise him. Is there anybody like that in this house today that would praise God with joy? Joy! Joy is contagious. You don't believe me? Get on an elevator and just smile at people. They will move all the way over. Thirdly, there was an attractive church. Woo! Somebody asked me this morning, Damien asked me this morning, how you doing? I said, I'm blessed, highly favored, and very attractive to God. Look at somebody and say, it's time to get attractive again. <laughs> they were an attractive church. The church did not meet in one place. They were meeting in many places. And yet the early church was an attractive church without even owning a building. Verse 47, having favor with all the people, and the Lord was adding to their number day by day, those who were being saved. The big attraction was the way that the fellowship had, that was blessed by God and how they were living out their lives with one another. That was attractive. They get along with one another. Don't raise your hand, but there's married couples sitting here today. You all don't get along. Aren't you glad we got the marriage weekend coming up? We're going to get attractive. We're going to come attractive. Getting along is attractive. Mm. I don't know about you, but when I go to a family function and everybody's fighting and fussing and cussing, and that's a safe folk. Dropping this word and that word and saying, excuse my French. No, no. Whatever's in you is coming out. You talk like trash because you live like trash. Who's quiet in here now, ain't it? Where did that attractiveness go? I thought, you were, I thought we was an attractive church. Living nasty is not attractive. Dirtiness is not attractive. Mm-hmm. They were attractive because they loved one another and outsiders were attracted to how God had changed the lives of the believers. It was evident in the community. It was evident in the church. They belonged. Oh, oh, let me tell you that God will give you favor just for belonging to Bethel Family Worship Center. Won't he do it, Sister Lisa? God will give you a favor. He'll bless you coming in and he'll bless you going out just because you know somebody. They might even look over and say, Woo! You one of them over at Bethel, tell the pastor I said, hey, 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 keep on praising God. Attractiveness is when people come together in unity, red and yellow, black and white. They are precious in his sight. English, Irish, Scott and Jew, Polish and Italian too. It doesn't matter what you come from. It matters that we together. Mm, pop your neck and smack your lips and tell somebody, we together. Isn't that what Jesus talked about in John 13? In verse 35, he said, By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. There's the old adage that says love or charity brings, begins at home. And I believe that applies, that we show love to each other within the body of Christ first of all. Then go out and show the love of God to others. We nicer to other folk than we are our own family. I have called people's homes before and they didn't know I was on the line. 
there screaming, hollering, doing everything, yelling, hello. We are nicer to strangers. Oh, this is really getting rough in here. And so our request every day is, Lord, help me to love my brothers and my sisters and my family. And then give me an opportunity to show that love. Maybe it's the person behind me at Starbucks. Maybe it's a single mom carrying three babies to the children's ministry. I just grab that bag up and I'll help you. I'm going that way. So we have to pattern our prayer after Jesus. And his prayer in John 17, 21, he said, I pray that they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. We live in an abusive, decisive, unloving, judgmental world. And what it needs is Christ-like love to draw people. I have pastor friends who say, how on earth did Bethel become a diverse church? And I say, I don't know. I didn't put a sign out in the yard in front of the church on Lynnhurst or in High School Road back in the day and say, join us, we're trying to be diverse. I don't think you have to put a sign out for love. Love draws people. Now, before I can go on to this next step, you must do this. And if you don't do this, I can't even go forward in my message. I want you to hug somebody. Look at y'all giving some people the courtesy hug. (laughs) Pat, 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 pat. If you're a guest here today, we love you big. Let me move on to my next point, and that is a growing church. That's one of the reasons that the vital Pentecostal church was a growing church, because it it grew out of verse 47. The Lord was adding to their number daily, daily. The Lord was adding to their numbers. And so there isn't a big strategy mapped out here for the church to follow, but the fact has stood for many years, and I say it to you, that true evangelism occurs When God's people begin with the proper content of God's word alone, I don't need to add anything to the word. The word will preach itself. I don't have to dress it up with cupcakes. I don't have to march an elephant down the aisle for you to come to church. If I have to march an elephant down the aisle to get you to come to church, I'll have to march it down every service to get you to come back. So we don't have to give away free giveaways, potlucks, you know, pulling rabbits out of hats, and our kids are getting bicycles, and all, all that's wonderful in its place. But evangelism occurs when all you have is the gospel. All you have is the word of God to share at work, to share in your neighborhood, to share in your family. And as they studied and fellowshiped and they prayed and they praised together, there was so much happening amongst them that it began to create such an awe and such a wonder to come out when people are filled with the Holy Spirit and when his people are then obedient to the great commission to go into all the world and to preach the gospel, God's word and through his spirit, then the Lord will add to his church. He will do it. And he won't do it just through one person. He'll do it collectively. He's not just going to do it through the pastor. He's going to do it for all of us. When we are all pulling together and witnessing our faith in the marketplace, how long has it been, child of God, Christian, saint of God, member of Bethel, how long has it been since you brought someone to church with you? Oh, pastor, I can't do that. I do well enough just to get there myself, and I'm late at that. How long has it been uh, since you have lived your life in such a witness that people wanted what you had? Oh, I can't get nobody to amen me here. Let, let me tell it like this. I met a family that started coming to Bethel, the Ravel family, and, and this guy was watching us online, and he saw a tall, bald-headed individual standing 
standing in worship praising God. And he said, I recognize that head. I, I recognize that beard. I, I recognize, you know, it was Josh Spade, his co-worker, who's here this morning. He was worshiping God and praising God. And Mike saw him on camera and said, hey, does he go to that church? That can't be him. It is him. And he's working with him in the marketplace and knows that this brother's real. What he says at church and what he does at work are the same. Oh, can I get somebody to amen that right there? This is where it's contagious. The Lord adds to the church because people see your lifestyle and say, I want what they got. I want what they have. That's how God begins to add to the church. The greatest evangelism tool in the whole world is when the church is the church. You are the church. I am the church. And when the body is what it should be, it will reproduce. Who are you reproducing? Well, I'm not a deacon. I'm not an elder. You a Christian? Who are you reproducing? If you've got children, they've already been landed in your lap. But it's beyond that. Who's your one, your three, your 12, your 70 in your multitude? Who are you attaching yourself to? Who this week will you reproduce? They gave you a card when you came in. See if we can find it. Remember getting that? And it's on the screen, I think. Community, commission, and... Com well, actually, it's communion, commission, and community. The card's out of order. Blame me. I'm sure there'll be someone that'll text. Anyway, this is the order it should be. Communion. Because when we are in right relationship with God and we are intimate with him, and we are communing with him in our soul. Our, families, our family life is better. Dad, when you're a praying dad that's led by the Spirit, your children won't be afraid of you. They won't hide behind the door when you get home. I don't know what mood he's going to be in. When you are a praying father, a praying man, you bring unity into your home, peace into your home. Now, the older I get, the more I've learned and I'm more settled. When we were younger parents and had a little toddler and we were running helter-skelter trying to get everything done, robbing Peter to pay Paul, didn't have enough groceries, didn't, just living on a shoestring, you know what I'm talking about? Life was so hectic that we would find ourselves getting edgy with one another, and then that edginess would reflect upon our child. She'd get just as loud as we were. We'd have to catch ourselves. We shouldn't be arguing in front of our child. I should be bringing unity and intimacy into my home. And it is the same for the ladies, amen? You can't come up here and speak in tongues with all the sister saints and then go home and turn into the screaming demon. God's not pleased. You're over here speaking in tongues and won't even talk right to us. Serving me that old cold Salisbury steak. You gotta have some communion. Getting along together. And because they had communion, then they were able to embrace the commission of God. Because when you're in a place of intimacy where you can hear from heaven, he will then download his plan for your life. The commission. What is our commission as a church? What is your commission as a, as a person, as a home, in your home, in your life? What's your life commission? Have you identified it? And then... When you have identified your commission and you know the plan of God, that's when you move thirdly into the community. And you live out what God has called you to live out and guess what comes from it? Awe and wonder. Confirming the word of God in your life. I want to ask you today, 
Are you part of God's gospel program? Beginning with, are you saved? Do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Did he find you? You didn't find him. He was never lost. But did he find you? Did you make yourself available to him? Are you committed to him and to the studying of his word? Do you want signs and wonders to follow your life? Are you sharing your spiritual gifts among the body of Christ? Are you a partaker of koinia, fellowship amongst our ecclesia, our gathered body? People say, I don't need the church. I don't have church in my home. Well, sure, you can have church in your home, but every person that's born again will want to be in the church that Jesus established and the apostles birthed. It didn't die. People who say that, keep your left eye on them. A miraculous church. A sharing church. If I was to ask for testimonies, there would be people that would raise their hand and say, I had surgery and these brothers and sisters came by with some food. I needed prayer and they met the need. I needed a bedroom suit. and Someone said, I just happen to have one I'm getting rid of. I was going to sell it, but I'd rather give it. A sharing church. A joyful church. Hey. A church is full of joy. When I get up here, I smile. You know why? Somebody needs it. You frowned all week. Some of you still frowning. feels better to smile. An attractive church. Why don't you all come over and do what, get involved in what we're doing. We got something going on here. A growing church. In your handout today, they gave you a bookmark. And I want you to take that bookmark out. We've asked you a question. We'd like for you to write down in the next 60 seconds to 90 seconds. I don't think it'll take you long. What miracles are you expecting in 2023? What would blow your mind if this happened to you? Would you just jot, begin jotting that down? In 2023, these are the miracles I'm expecting, Pastor. What miracle are you believing for in 2023? On the back side of that card is a QR code that when God begins to answer your prayers, you can scan that with your phone and begin to fill out the testimony form. Send us the notice what God started doing in your life. I'm expecting awe and wonder. I'm seeing it already. We started this first month out with 12 days called 12-12 prayer and fasting. And from it, we've seen some stuff happen. Some stuff has surfaced and some stuff's been healed. And God's beginning to move and shift in our life, redirecting us and refocusing our attention on Him. That when I obey him in the simple thing and I preach the word and I live the word, there will be miracles that come from it. God will put you in the right place at the right time to produce a miracle. You never know how God's going to show up by you living this gospel. Signs and wonders when you're out delivering that mail, Kayla and Ricky and you're running up on people that God will use you for his glory. That the power of God will flow through you when you're at that crew car wash bossing them people around and making those dirty cars clean that the gospel is being lived through you, Zach. That's what happens. Lindsay, when you're clipping somebody's hair 
and you're trying to be a beautician and not a magician. That God will use you. Amen. That God will use you, Sister Tammy, when you're highlighted on the TV screen in your robe and you're praising God. Signs and wonders to follow them that believe. Are you with me? Amen. Sister Barb, when you're at the library and you're working amongst all that mess and you grab the Bible and walk through every aisle pleading the blood of Jesus, God's using you. The gospel's being lived out. And you say, well, Pastor, I'm just not a real talkative person. I'm not a communicator. I'm not really an upfront person. That's okay. Buy somebody a coffee. And say, I just want to tell you that God loves you. Amen? Practical, easy testimonies of loving people into the kingdom. That's what it's going to take. If we're going to grow in 2023, we must preach the word. And from it, signs and wonders are coming. Healing is coming. Amen? Would you bow your head for a moment? Father, today, as you search the heart of your people, you would speak to us strategically about being a miraculous church, a sharing church, a joyful church, an attractive church, and a growing church. That 2023 is going to be the year of significance for us, where we will welcome in great attendance, great souls to be saved. God, that you would bring them as we go and sow the word to them in the marketplace where we live where we function and where we serve, that the gospel would be lived out through us. And there are people here today that the word of God is speaking to your life and you long to have a relationship with Jesus. The Bible says that you can have that relationship very easily, even this morning within the next 10 seconds. The scriptures say that whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Let me just break that down for you quickly because when Jesus was hanging on the cross, there were two thieves, one on each side of him. They were thieves. They were known robbers who'd had wrongdoing in their life. And one of them cried out to him, called out to him. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. He looked to Jesus in faith. And Jesus responded to this criminal. This day, you will be with me in paradise. See, God is not concerned with what you've done. He's concerned about what you shall become. And he has formed you and created you with a purpose. Now, we can shout, run the aisles, and speak in tongues and have a hoedown this morning. But the greatest miracle is when someone repents of their sins and is regenerated in the new birth of Christ. And the Bible says you become a new creature in Christ and old things are passed away and all things have become new. For me, it was in 1978 when I surrendered my life to God as a child. He came into me. I received him as my Savior and my Lord, and instantly I felt the burden of sin lift off of me. And Jesus transformed my heart. Hallelujah. And for you, it might be in a different time, or maybe it's some of you today, you've never given your heart to God, or you're a in a backslidden condition. I prayed this morning before I came out here, God, bring every backslider home. I want our prayer team to move into place and I want to invite you right now to call upon the name of Jesus right where you're seated. If God is dealing with you about your eternity, your soul, and he's talking to you, nobody's looking around, it's just you, your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed. But if he's speaking to you about your soul and you would like to make a decision to follow Christ today. Or maybe you would rededicate your life to God and say, 2023 is going to be the year of all and wonder for me. 
I'm going to let this gospel be in my life. I'm going to live for Jesus. I'm going to be part of something bigger than me. There's a decision card where you're at. I want you to reach for it and begin to fill it out and indicate what it is that God is speaking to you about. It's right there in your seat. If you're dedicating your life to Christ for the very first time, indicate salvation. Maybe it's rededication or you're asking for healing. You're making a decision today to follow Christ. As you're filling that out, God is already speaking to people. He's already prompted in your heart. And I'm going to ask you to get out of your seat with that card in your hand, even if it's not filled out all the way. But as you come, stand with us. I'm going to be here praying. We're going to worship in this song. As we do, I want you to come. Let us pray with you today. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Bethel Family Worship Center. 